0: Welcome to the Seashore Church message of the week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. So I have a really funny thing to start with. Um, I knew that I needed to talk about, um, it's one of if not the, at least one of the favorite Bible verses I have, it's just Luke um, 10, 27. It's love the Lord. Jesus has asked, what's the greatest commandment? And his answer is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. It's been, it's been my favorite since about 1995, 1996. And um, the reason it's been my favorite since then is because I had a job and it was just a regular job. And I used to fix like, physical bodies that had injuries and um, I it was in a rehabilitation center and they had a gym so I was just on the bike one afternoon in my lunch hour and I just had my bible out you know and you know you know those what are those upright bikes called I should remember the name of that (laughs) uh, recumbent yeah we just don't use that word in Australia no no upright yeah stationary (laughs) <laughs> so anyway just a bike you know what i mean An electronic bike that doesn't go anywhere stay inside out of the weather <laughs> so but it has a flat thing on the front so i had my bible out open and i was reading through deuteronomy and the luke the luke 10 verse which is also matthew it was already one of my favorites but i found it in um deuteronomy and um and it was just when moses in exodus gives the 10 commandments he gives it again in deuteronomy after the 40 years as his last goodbye, see you later, I'm not going with you, into the promised land moment. I love you all, but here, remember this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. In uh, the Luke version, it adds mind. Um, And I just went, oh my goodness, this has been from the beginning. This has been from the beginning. It's the thing. It's the thing. Just for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. It is the thing. So we'll pray, okay? Uh, God, I do, um, I try not to cry. Oh, I've been doing this since 1, 1 p.m. today. Um, Lord, we do, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We pour out our heart on your feet, Jesus even the scriptures I'm going to read today is the woman who just poured her, her tears uh, with, her, with her hair dried her own tears off your feet. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And I pray that um, every single day is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and fall more in love with you every single day. And I pray that that would be the thing, that's the thing, the thing, no other thing before you. The thing that we live for is you, Jesus, is to know you and love you. And I just, I pray, I pray over everybody tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I I do, I'm probably going to cry. I have been all day. I was in worship here, practice, 1 p.m. in the the kitchen with my son. In fact, I'll even say this, is uh, when I was getting ready to, going through parts of this message and just started crying there, because Liam happened to say something to me, I just sat at the table and just cried. And he goes, oh. Why are you crying? <laughs> and I was like, because I love Jesus. <laughs> that was it. No other reason. No other reason at all. And uh, I think it's a pretty good reason to cry. And um, he's just really very, very beautiful. And he wants all of us to know him in such a unique and such a beautiful way to see and know his beauty and to be drawn in day after day. That's the thing is he He wants, it's not, it doesn't force us into anything. He draws us. And then when we just put our eyes on him every day and just say, I, I love you, I, I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. And the next day, I want to love you even more again. And pray that prayer and he answers it. <laughs> and I have been since about 1995 praying that prayer. I want to fall more in love with you every single day, God. And um, he is, he more than meets that in you. He more than meets uh, your need for anything, no matter what it is, relationally is the first thing but anything in life he will be the constant friend that will never leave you people will people come and go you know i turn 50 next year people come and go all the time sometimes for good reasons sometimes for not good reasons and really ugly reasons right but the father the bible says that jesus is a a brother he sticks closer than a friend He's the constant. He's the one constant. He will never leave. He will never forsake. He's the one that satisfies our every need. And I say that also because this is why we were created in the first place, that he would be the one that satisfies us. You know, no matter what part of history a person's born, what nation they're born into, born into wealth and status and this nation, a free nation, or um, poverty nations, full of um, tyranny and um, governmental tyranny, or just constant wars in the Middle East, it's wherever wherever people are in in the world, it doesn't matter. This one question hangs over every single heart: Is why am I here? Like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why why this time in history? Why now, God? What what is my purpose? And um, this is in, in 1647, um, around the Reformation period, but the Westminster—you maybe you've heard of it—the Catechism answered this question. As the church wanting to move forward into freedom and leaving behind some religious tyranny, they said they said this is the thing, the thing God people what God made people for was to love God, and enjoy Him forever. That's our single purpose: love Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Father. Love Jesus and enjoy him forever. That's, that's it. It's, it. It really, I think we make it really difficult on ourselves. We make it 10 ways to a better me, 10 ways to a better disciple, 10 ways to grow your church, 10 ways to this and that and the other. I, I, how do I run over here and get this book and learn how to do this part of Christianity? I'll run over and get, and I'm all about reading books. I'm not saying don't do it, but don't complicate the process. The simple thing is... We're created to love God, and enjoy Him forever. Just love Jesus, and enjoy Him forever. And when I say enjoy, I do know some people go, oh, "I'm not sure what that means." Like, I, I follow Him. I've followed Him. I've tried following Him. I've done the right things that other people have told me to do. I've done the things the Scripture have told me to do. What? Well, I, I don't really enjoy him. What does that mean? Jesus wants to be so well known to us that his presence and, and, and spending time with him would be the, the more important to you than the breath in your lungs. That you'd wake up in the morning and your thought is, oh, another day with you. Job says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over us while we sleep, waiting for us to wake up so that we, he would hear that off our, say that. It's, it's the, the thing, the thing in life, is that we would enjoy him, know him, love him, enjoy him. And this is what worship is. We're created as worshippers to worship him. In... in um the four different things in, Luke, in the Luke verse that I gave you, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your... Uh, what is, <laughs> i got to make sure I get it in order, because it is heart first, then it is soul, then it is strength, then it is mind. It's four things. Do you know in, the English, in modern times here, we've got a very scientific uh, Western way of thinking and looking at the world, and we separate the brain from the heart... And we kind of even wonder what this thing called the soul is. We don't really understand what the soul is. We know we have a mind because we're told we have a mind. But what does that even mean? But the scriptures, the, the, four, the four times this word appears, um, whether it's heart or soul or strength or mind, in that one single verse, it's four different Greek words, but they all have the same meaning. They all have the same meaning. It's with the inner part of who I am that I would just love him with everything I am, with the inner, the inner person, the person that is beyond just this physical. Now, here's the other thing that I find quite funny. So our heart, we know physically, pumps our blood through our body, right? Scientists will separate the heart from the brain, the brain with the brain all the synapses will happen, and the heart pumps the blood. And science and our enlightened way of thinking that we have today separates those as bodily organs and doesn't really give a lot of value to them but in the in the understanding from the Hebrew and even in the Greek although they started to change it it was not separate our heart and our thinking our soul and our mind it's the whole the whole of the person the whole of me whether it's my earliest memories to my memories from just today to my way that i think about the world to the way that i think about who i am and who what i think about who god is and even how i find my identity that is all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my understanding all of my thinking about life in general that is that is who you are much more than the physical body this verse just layers it's not the verse doesn't say these four different things because they're separate this verse jesus is speaking saying these four different things in a way to capture attention and just say, with everything you are, everything is love me, everything, and don't hold back. So it's with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength, don't hold back. Or why would you use four words that mean the same thing in one sentence if you weren't trying to make it the thing? With everything that you have, everything that you are, love the Lord. Um, here's an example of the strength, the word in the Greek from, this, from that one verse from strength. Who has ever heard of, I'm sure everybody in here has heard this, um, adults, who has heard before of a, a woman getting in a car accident, running out of the car, and lifting it off her child as if she had superhuman strength? This, these kinds of stories are not few, they're not rare. It's quite a, uh, a phenomenon that people talk about. Oh my goodness, this woman picked up the car off her two toddlers and if she hadn't, they would have died. Like this superhuman thing came from within. That's what this is. Because we're more than just this flesh and this human body with a heart that beats and a brain that thinks and they don't. They, they, they are intricately woven into the very core of who we are and everything about how we think and how we feel and how we move in this life is so intimately connected and one. Now here's the thing though, so this woman with all of the force that can pick up a car and throw it off a toddler to save the toddler's life, that is the kind of force we're to love God with. And... uh, Because the Greek word that talks about this is, from the core of who we are, something rises up beyond a physical ability. It transcends the physical, right? You can understand this from the example of the woman pulling the car off a baby. Something inside us that transcends just this physical is also called out by God to love him in such a way that love would be manifest in ways that are bigger and um affect change in the atmosphere, even when we worship together, that love can be felt between two people. Like, you can tangibly feel whether you have a connection with a person. You can tangibly feel if there's a disconnect and they've pulled away. There's a, Maybe there's untruth or in, lack of integrity in something. You can tangibly feel this. It's because it actually transcends just this human physical part of who we are. Love is so much bigger. And even the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for the Father is supposed to be like this, so forceful, forceful, it changes and moves atmospheres and changes things around us that we can't see with our physical eyes. Does that make sense? We're meant to love God like this. like That, that we could literally rip a car off a baby, but it's that the force of love out of our heart that is just given back to him Um, in worship and so you know I'm trying to talk about worship really because this is what it is loving God with everything we are is we're created as worshipers and our love poured back out on him this is what this is it's loving him with everything we are I love the Lord with all my heart all my soul all my strength all my mind in that same verse Clayton was um, in the kitchen last night when I found this out, and I kind of went, oh my goodness, and I'll explain what I mean. The word in that verse for mind, um, we'll understand some of this, and makes quite a lot of sense, just the mind, the faculty of understanding all of our feeling, all of our desiring, all of our abilities our, reason, our reasoning, the ability that we have to reason and think and learn things, it's all of our mind, right? But here is a thing that I found a bit staggering because it comes out from the Greek. It says this, it's the, our mind, which is also our will, our mind is also the instrument of self-destruction when exercised without God's light and power. Now, I know that that's true of non-Christians, but it can be true of Christians as well who just haven't yielded over their heart and their mind, haven't yielded that part of my will to the Lord. And when I haven't yielded my will, my own will becomes the instrument of destruction inside me, hardening my heart, callousing me to the things around me that God really wants me to say very soft to Does that make sense? Yielding is our worship. Surrendering is our worship. And we hold that back and withhold that, the very thing that we're meant to give to God, when we withhold that and hold it back, it becomes the very source of destruction in our own heart and our own thinking. Here's what's really sad for me is um, the other word uh, um, for soul is souk, psych. We get our word psychology from it, psychiatry. We get those words from souk, Soul. There's so many things in, in, in our world um, that people, uh, will, oh, we want to give a diagnosis for, like a psychological diagnosis for, and misunderstanding this very thought here is that our mind itself, if not yielded, is going to be taking us into futility. Have a read of Ephesians four seventeen with me, if you if you don't, I don't have it up here, sorry. So, but if you want to read it in in um, your Bibles, it says this. Ephesians four seventeen. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility Say what? In the futility of their thinking, and this is it. It's a mind that's unyielded, unsurrendered to God in worship. And I don't mean the song part of what we just did here. I mean the whole of our life, the whole of our loving the Lord. It's, it's a life of surrender. Yielded, surrendered, love of God is what I pray that our church would be full of just people who are so yielded and so surrendered. But when we don't, when we don't, in the futility of their thinking, Verse eighteen: They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have been given sorry they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed, the futile thinking. So it's the it's the um, I don't have this in my notes, but there's the Bible verse in. Um, 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 3. Uh, someone can correct me if I get it wrong. But as we just worship God, we're transformed and made more like him. And we're changed and made, turned into glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. We, we, get, we literally carry more of his light, more of his glory in our lives, right? But it's to think that's, that's the place of worship where I've just yielded my life. I've surrendered my life. I've given over everything and I'm not holding anything back. And because I've done that, he's come into view in a much greater way. And when I view him and keep my eyes on him, focused on him, I'm changed and I'm made more like him. I go from glory to glory. This is all of us. We go from glory to glory because we have focused on the one, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? He changes us literally. It's like a universal spiritual law. Whatever you're focusing on, you're moving toward that and becoming like that thing. And this verse is saying, the futility of their thinking, if we withhold our worship, if we just pour back our heart, and we, we will change the direction of our life and our thinking. It's our, my own will, my own heart, my own mind, my own senses are the things that are going to be working in me for my own self-destruction and take me on a path away from God. I think it's in Mark verse uh, chapter 4, verse 9 that says that uh, whatever you uh, give your attention to, that's what you're going to get into your life. You're going to reap much, much more of it into your life. And so if your attention is given to loving the Lord, you're going to reap that into your life in a bigger way, in a much, much bigger way. But if you're turning away and there is that walking away, it's the futility of our thinking, darkened, calloused, hardened hearts. So why am I saying this? It's not to condemn in any way at all. It's not at all. I would never want to do that. But it is to put before you, the very beautiful thing that we call worship, to put before you the very beautiful one who we worship is Jesus. His intention that we would be so connected with his heart and so so um, intimately, devotedly connected and in love and engaged with who he is every moment of every day. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be washing dishes. It could be cleaning your toilet. could be driving in your car. could be in the workspace. But your heart is connected to the one that you know you were put on this planet to love and serve. I, um, I, I, th- I think I have to tell you a few stories. I remember being in second grade. I just loved God like all my life. I just, I've loved him and it doesn't make sense because I had a family that weren't believers and um, um, but they did put me in, ca- they went to church my dad didn't. My mum did. But my dad, like, they put, us in, they put us in Catholic church, Catholic school. And I wear this cross here. It's a Catholic cross. It has Jesus on it. Um, you know, the Protestant cross doesn't. But you know what? We don't have names like that. We love Jesus. But I remember being in second grade and I remember the classroom. I've told a few people this. I remember the classroom. and I remember the lesson. Second grade. So that's eight, seven. I just remember this nurse, a uh, nurse, a nun. A nun. And none, and it was summertime in Australia. They have like the summertime lighter linen y white. She had the habit habit on. And she's just teaching us and she said this. She just goes, Every time, every time you lungs breathe in and out, you're breathing God's air. And every time your heart beats, it's beating cause he put it there. I was in second grade. And I fell in love with God in that split-second moment. I just went, that's who I love. That's who I love, that one Jesus who's authored my life. And uh, I was raised then by people who didn't appreciate that. And I don't think they'll hear this, and I want to honour them. I do. I love my parents. But they didn't appreciate that and they didn't appreciate then that they had this second grader who just came home talking about Jesus too much for them. And um, I told them I wanted to be a nun. And they're like, no, no, go be an accountant or something. And um, I was like, no, no, I really love thee. I want to be a nun. I started just reading things and trying to check out what that even meant. and I didn't like that it didn't have to be married on the one hand, but I was like, no, I just love Jesus and um and uh anyway so i remember when i was 12 i got my first bible because in australia they actually hand out bibles to kids in school pagan nation hands out bibles in school they're allowed to (laughs) here you could lose your job and we're a christian nation right no no post-christian anyway um trying not to cry i'm sorry I just remember receiving this little Bible, and the whole of my grade, grade seven, we're all standing, hot, hot sun and assembly outside, and someone just puts a little Bible in my hands, and I just went, it was like the most, it was like I'd just been given, like the world's biggest diamond, like precious, I held this thing, and was with delight in my heart, I have my own Bible. Like, it was amazing to me to get this thing. And the kid next to me, who I'm still Facebook friends with, which is really funny, um, he goes, oh, I'm going to cut the pages out and put my cigarettes in it. <laughs> so, and I got really mad. I was like, you can't do that. This is God's word. This is, I love Jesus. His name is Anthony. We're still friends. He likes some of my stuff, not the Jesus stuff. <laughs> so, um, but I just remember getting this little Bible. It was just like a New Testament. The little ones, you know, like Gideon Society, little New Testament. But I remember it was the most precious thing. And it was just a year later that I, um, I'd read it. And I found myself in a youth group that was just a regular a Protestant youth group. And they really talked to me and, and led me... Um, in a way, to Jesus, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and baptised in the Holy Spirit there. So I made made that my church. I'd go at 9am to my parents' Catholic church, because they made me, and it went for 45 minutes. And if anybody, if it went later, people would just leave. It was kind of funny, Um, but so would my (laughs) mum. So I'm leaving with her. And so she would drive me to my church, and um, I was 14 years old, and so I'd turn up there at 10 o'clock, as I was on the way home, and that was early when the worship team would start practicing for the 11 o'clock service. And they're like, oh, come join us. I was like, okay, what does that mean? I don't even know. And they just stuck me up and I would just worship. And I remember the first time I ever just did this. And I was like, who's watching? No one. they all got their hands in the air. <laughs> so, so, and I was just doing that from I when was, I was like 14. And that church would have lunch afterwards. And it was a beautiful church filled with the Holy Spirit. And I uh, would eat and then go home at, I don't know how, what time, but then I'd be right back for their six o'clock service an hour early because I'd want to go pray with the team again and sing. <laughs> and so there's this kid. I, my parents did not know what to do with me because now I didn't want to be a nun. Now at least I wanted to get married, but now I really wanted to serve Jesus. And they said to me, no, we liked you better when you wanted to be a nun. I was like, I still like me. <laughs> I just still want to follow Jesus. It just looks a little different now I can get married. <laughs> Does that make sense? Now, I got a guitar given to me, and um, it was just, we had a piano in the house and a guitar as well, and I, I started trying to play with no lessons or anything, and, but I, kept, I can have a bit of an ear, so I just sat down with this guitar and this piano, and I had some really, really raw chord charts, really basic, and I just taught myself how to play, but I think to the point where my parents thought it was like obnoxiously loud in the house, they'd hide the guitar on me. And so I'd get home from school and I'd have to go from my mum's room. Usually it was in my mum's room. I'd have to go like through her closet or on top of the closet or behind this section to try and find the guitar so I could go worship again. Why am I telling you all this? It's because we're put on the planet to worship like this. And even though I had two people in my home who didn't love the Lord, I was just a kid who just went, this is what I'm on the planet for. All of us, all of us, whether people know it or not, this is why we're created. And when that connects in you, it doesn't matter what kind of opposition you face. It will not matter what kind of opposition you face. In fact, uh, um, at one point, I was getting up at five in the morning to pray for my school. I'd get up at five and I'd um, just pray for an hour before I just jumped in the shower to get ready to go to school at six. Leave. And so, but my dad used to catch me sometimes praying and he used to get really mad, and I didn't understand why he was mad, and he'd be yelling at 5am, 5 5.30 when he caught me, so I'm just over a, little, over a space heater with my Bible, trying to pray, and I, I didn't understand why this, I love my dad, but I love the Lord, and I didn't understand why my father, who I also loved, why he'd be so cranky at me for praying, And it just, it it caused me to run to Jesus all the more. They would tell me to stop praying. They would tell me to stop playing the guitar and singing and doing all that. They wouldn't want me to try and limit me going to church or going to youth. But the more they tried to limit, the more my heart just hung on to Jesus. All the more, all the more, all the more. And I'm saying this because he's the one that will never let you down. I love my parents. I, sorry, I love my parents. I do. I, I get it really. My dad, one time, said to me, when I was in my twenties. I just wished that I'd had a normal daughter. And at that time, I knew what he meant. I was old enough to at least say something back. You you mean you you wanted a daughter who would be going out to bars and picking up men and smoking drugs like my brother and sister? And he said, yes. Yes. And I love my, my dad. I'm not, I don't, this is not dishonoring. I'm trying to explain to you what it's like to have the love of your life, Jesus, become so real to you that even your own father's words over you. And he's telling you that he loved two other people better because they smoked drugs and because they had picked up people in nightclubs. Oh, I'm really getting wrecked. I'm sorry. I don't really want this on the podcast. <laughs> he will ne- never let you down. He will never let you down. Some of my friends from high school today follow the Lord because I was just a kid who just wouldn't be told no, even by my mum and dad who I love dearly. I just wouldn't be told no. And... um and it wasn't it wasn't, a rude, it wasn't a rude, hard thing against my parents or a rebellious thing against my parents. It was, no, I've, my heart's connected to the one who I know is Jesus Christ. And he died and he rose again. And this is who I'm living for. And I'm not going to change. Nothing you can do is going to make me change. And um, if you can live with that, he makes himself so, so known, so real in ways that have blown my mind all these years later he's so faithful he's faithful he is the one who's faithful he's faithful jesus is faithful i better read some scripture because i'm oh what time is it i'm going to read um I'm going to read John 12, 1 to 8. I have the you know, the, the woman who anointed Jesus in um, in Bethlehem before his burial. It's a really commonly known story, but it is one of my favourites because um, this was a woman who uh, broke through, pushed through all of the social constraints that would have been on her at a, as a woman at the time, stepping into the room where there would have been men lying around eating and she would right there, landed in front of Jesus' feet and broke open her very, very expensive perfume, which would have been her likely, um, one, well, the Bible says one year's supply of, of income worth to purchase this perfume, but she broke it, broke it, and poured everything out. It would have been like the dowry to the man that she maybe would have married, and she said, I don't need any of that, although we do have need. But she said, I don't need the backstop. I don't need the plan B. It's Jesus, you're my plan A. You're the, not the plan A. You're the, the only plan, the only plan. So here it is. Um, chapter 4, of, sorry, what did I say? On the wrong page. Chapter 12, one, 8 Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped her feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to keep the money for himself. Um, Verse 7, Jesus just said, Leave her alone. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. This is a few days before Jesus was killed on the cross. But the perfume that she would have anointed him with would have been so extremely strong in his hair and everything that even on the cross in the moment of his death he would have smelt that. He would have smelt her worship when he was crucified for her. Because he says, it was done for my burial. So his body still smelled like the perfume that she poured out. Our worship ministers to the heart of the Father. Our worship ministers to the heart of Jesus this way. It's not just about the singing of songs when we get together and clapping our hands and, oh, that's a nice song. Oh, I don't like that one so much. It's not about spectating. You know, worship is not about spectating at all. In fact, I do know... I do know... um, there's, in a lot of places you can land in church and it becomes about spectating, it becomes about the entertainment coming off the stage because excellence is, becomes the thing, the light show, the smoke, all of that. I, I understand it's not that worship doesn't go on when that's happening. But if that is happening and no worship is going on, then the worship itself has been exchanged for entertainment in the church. And the worship itself has become something that people are now spectating. No different to you just watching a TV show. And it's entertainment. Our worship, though, our worship, when it's true worship, it ministers to the heart of Jesus. Like, we minister to the heart. We make his heart happy. That's, that's kind of, for me, I, I want to sing dance every single day, and we do in my house, because I make his heart happy when we just sing. In fact, my little daughter, who's off somewhere and kids, she belts out so loud in our house all the time, and I can hear her from whatever other end of the house is. I can hear her. And it does my heart good. So I can only imagine what it, what it does to the heart of the Father, knowing that, that we, our worship, ministers to him. That's why we were created. In fact, the Garden of Eden itself, it was like, set up like a temple. And Adam was put in the center of it, the priest. And the priest's job was to give worship back to God. That's why we were created as priests. We are now also priests, priest kings. Again, set in places to bring worship back to the heart of the Father. That he... he, he would just come over it and smell like incense. Like now, it's not the perfume, literal perfume, like this woman we just read about, but it is a perfume sometimes of our sacrifice. Sometimes it's the perfume of the sacrifice of, to my own dad, I love you and I respect you and I'm going to honor you, but I'm following Jesus in spite of whether you love me as much or not as my brother and sister who've brought you more happiness because of their lifestyle. It's a sacrifice of worship, and the Father takes that into Himself, and it ministers to His heart in in ways that we're not going to really see this side of heaven necessarily, because that's when we're going to really start to see what worship is like. There is a war over worship. There is a war for your affections. Every single day you wake up, there is a war for your affections. Who will you love? It's the same question that, it's the same question that is the, uh, what am I created for? Right? That we spoke about at the beginning. What am I created for? Well, the, the devil has a question over your life: Who will you worship? Because every single person on the planet created as a priest to worship Father. Jesus, Holy Spirit, to worship God. We are created for this. If we don't do this, we will worship something or someone else. It doesn't matter who the other thing is. It's all idolatry. And sometimes it's just our entertainment. I mentioned just worship can be entertainment. But sometimes it's entertainment. I, and when I first moved here to America, I found this preacher that I really liked. And I heard him say one day, he goes... Do you know, all those people that watch so much TV, they don't understand that worship, enter, uh, sorry, uh, TV watching, the entertainment part of TV watching can literally be demonic detainment. And I went, wow, that's really true. It's not that TV's bad. I'm not saying TV's bad. But if it has entrapped us, that's what, that's what, the, that's what the enemy wants to do, entrap us so that he gets the place of our affection, or at least if he's not getting it, something else or someone else that is not God. There's something else or there's someone else. can be my own kids. There's something else or there's someone else can be the ministry that I do. It doesn't matter what it is. The devil is, who will you worship? Come on, I don't want it to be God. And he just dangles all kinds of carrots in front of us, new cars, jobs, success, worldly success. Godly success is different. He dangles every kind of thing in front of us to create Uh, To to draw our affection away from the one, Jesus. Because he's so jealous. He's so rottenly jealous. And he counterfeits everything that God has ever given us. The Bible says that every good and perfect thing has come down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every single thing. The devil has grabbed hold of stuff and perverted it to entrap us and pull us away. So that instead of thanking God for something good in my life now... The good thing now becomes the thing I chase after instead of God. Does that make sense? So there's a war over our emotions. There's a war affections, not emotions. There's a war for our affections, and it's it's it started in the garden with Adam and Eve. So who will you worship? I just want my whole life. All of my doing, all of my saying, all of my wifing, all of my mumming, parenting, all of my anythinging, all of it, all of it. I just want it to bring so much pleasure to the Lord. And it's a really easy thing to do. It's not we don't strive at this. The way we do it is just invite him into every moment. acknowledge him in all our ways. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Acknowledge him. Same thing as just know that he's there and say hello. Know that he's there and say, oh, how would you do this? Have I been doing this good or not? Is there a better way? Invite him in to every single thing, every moment. It's acknowledge him in all your ways. Know him. It's the same as saying know him. Know that he's there. Know that he wants to be acknowledged. Know that he wants you to feel his presence and you know we talk about feeling his presence feeling this feeling that affection uh, emotions um sometimes we have to just believe by faith sometimes we do feel Sometimes there is physical manifestation, but I find the majority of the time it's not. The majority is, is by faith. It's by faith I know you're with me. By faith I know that you drive with me in my car to work. By faith I know that I can sing as I'm cleaning my kitchen and, and doing maybe making dinner. I can just sing to you and know that you're here. Every moment, that's our worship is acknowledging him and and saying, you're here, you're here with me now, you're here with me now, and I love you, and help me to love you more. It's what we're created for. It's really very simple. It's not a hard thing. It's not striving. In fact, when we start to strive, we've made it in our own strength. We're doing it in our own strength, and nothing done in our own strength pleases God. When we start to do things in our own strength, we're just creating another version of some kind of religion, religion nothing in our own strength, all in his strength. And that's the point of him being with us every single day and never leaving us. He strengthens us every single day, fills us, strengthens us, shows us the way to walk in, directs our path. He, he'll, be, he'll be, hey, this is, this is the way, walk in it, walk in it, oh, a little bit to the left, oh, a little bit to the right, every single moment. He's, he's never, ever apart from us. And so our worship, a lot, a lot, of our understanding of what worship is, is just, it's the acknowledging, you're with me, you're with me now. I'll tell you this even, um, it tempers me as uh, a parent, because, <laughs> because you know, you can get frustrated at your kids, right? I love my kids, um, but you can, you know, all of us, we, anybody, you can get, can get frustrated with Clayton, but I, it, what tempers me, oh, because I've made some mistake, not because he's made some mistake, people are looking at me funny. <laughs> so, What tempers me is that I stop myself and I just take a breath and breathe in and go, you're here with me. I can speak calmly. I can talk more calmly. I can wait and not have to, I can be really sarcastic and win an argument real quick. But that's really dishonouring to my husband or to kids or it's very just dishonour. It's very hateful actually because it's not about winning, is it? And when I just take that moment to acknowledge him, even in that hard moment and just go, "You're here with me now." It changes all of my internal world, changes, and now I want to um, fix the thing, whatever the fixing is, whether it's talk nicer and help my kids understand why I was frustrated, because I might still be frustrated, but I've just got to, it's a lesson for them. It's not the crazy oh, 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 you did this, and you're going to get it. you know. So it's the, it's the acknowledging that he's there. That's our worship. He helps us be better at every single thing we do. Every single thing. Um, thank God. <laughs> thank him for that. Um, to Abraham, who's called the father of our faith, Genesis 15.1 Um, God said this because God gave Abraham a pretty big promise. I'm going to, out of you, will come a nation. And he's an old man; his wife's you know, long past menopause. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Big, big promises. Count the stars. Can you count them? Count the sand on the. Can you count the sand on the sea? No. Well, I'm going to give you more uh, sons and daughters than, than that. Right. So Abraham's doesn't even make sense. God says this, don't be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. And that's the thing is, if you just you when we decide it's Jesus or bust. <laughs> Jesus or nothing, right? It's Jesus or nothing. I'm living for this one man, Jesus. My whole life given, yielded, surrendered, nothing held back. Uh, That means I can move to America on a a call like that with a suitcase and no promise of a job. (laughs) It's a long story for another day. but it, you, when you can say, I'm living for this one. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to love you, Jesus. I'm going to give everything that I have to, to living for you and doing everything that you've asked me to do on the earth. That's the promise to you. He will be your very great reward. He will be the great reward. And that's this, this, this is what the life of worship looks like. It's hold nothing back. It's surrender. Live completely yielded and hold nothing, nothing back. Um... On that scripture, on those scriptures with Mary, um, as she broke that very, very expensive perfume over the feet of, over the head of Jesus. Well, John says feet. Um, Mark and Matthew say head, because they're just different people looking at the same story. Could have been all over his body. Okay, so we don't go. Well, I don't get why it said feet there and head there. If we all went home tonight, 10 of us would have different stories about what I preached about. So standing by watching this woman break through the crowd that was trying to crowd in and eat with Jesus, watching this woman as she um, came into the room, broke open the perfume, poured it over him, wept with her own tears, cleaned his feet and dried his, his feet with her long hair. To Jesus, that was a thing of incredible, incredible beauty. To some people in the room, that was a thing of incredible um, lack, of, lack of dignity type of act to do. What, what normal person would spend a year's wages and pour, someone, pour perfume over a person like that? If we hold back in our worship and look at someone else's worship and judge it like that, we become people who walk into that place of having our hearts becoming a little calloused, a little cold, a little hard because we've judged someone else's worship. This woman, Mary, in front of everybody, walked in and gave the best of herself, had to push past the men. There were, there were Jesus' 12 disciples, but there was a lot of other disciples. There's One of the stories even says that there was um, some Pharisees there, teachers of the law, and they were looking on, indignant the two Matthew and Mark say they were indignant watching her worship I just remember reading that one time going I don't care I don't care what I look like I don't care if I play the wrong chord which I do a lot I'm I do care (laughs) I don't want to do it but um I'm not going to let it stop me worshiping I'm not going to let it stop me worshiping and because people in the room may be worshipping or may not be worshipping I could be in a crowd of a thousand I'm going to worship I'm going to give what is due to Jesus's name I'm going to spend myself giving the glory and the honor and the praise back to him no matter what anybody else is doing see sometimes people just want to be part of the crowd and crowds followed Jesus crowds followed him everywhere but they didn't all love him this woman loved him and this woman the bible says Jesus said what she did will be told everywhere the gospel is spoken of, her story will be told. And she's a woman who just went, "I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to give him everything." She ministered to the heart of Jesus, and even in those dying moments he would have smelt that perfume on his body. Okay, so I'm going to ask people just to stand to their feet. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in the air as high as you can, put them in the air, as high as you can put them in the air, and stand to your feet is how would you worship if you were face-to-face and could see Jesus in the room right now? Like, would that change how you worship if you could physically see him standing in front of you right now? It would change it, wouldn't it? If he was like to come through the ceiling, bang, land in front of you. You'd be, you'd be worshipping your guts out, literally. But he's in the room now, we just can't see him. And he's in the room and he's in the space, wherever you are, always, always, always with you, always with you. He never leaves. And the arms in the air, it doesn't have to be this all the time, right? It's just what I felt the Holy Spirit say again and just put the hands up. It's the surrender. So Lord, we just surrender. We surrender Jesus. We surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender. We surrender everything, Father. We surrender, Jesus. We hold nothing back from you, Father. We hold nothing back, Jesus. We hold nothing back, Father. You paid it all. You paid it all, Jesus, to return our hearts to you, to return us into relationship with you. So we will hold nothing back from you. We will pour out our hearts perfume. We'll pour everything out. We'll pour it out, Father, on you, you, Jesus. We'll pour out our lives. If You're good for the cost tell him tell him I'm good for the cost God. I'm good for the cost Lord Jesus I'm good for the price. I'm good, I'm good for the price, cause we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. I'm good for the cost if, the, if you're good for the cost, lift your voice so the people around you can hear. I'm good for the cost. I'm good for the price. I will lay myself aside, lay the will down, so that I can take up God's will, perfect will. We're good. We're good for the cost, God. We say we're people here, standing arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, saying we're good. We will pay the price. We're good for the cost. We will pour ourselves out, Jesus. I pray and declare this over this community and the people that even aren't here tonight because some traveling god we we declare this over our community that we'd be a community of people that will pour out our hearts perfume we will not hold anything back that we will pay any price to obey you father we will pay any price to obey you giving our lives to you and holding nothing back holding nothing back holding nothing back no matter what that means god we're good for the cost i'm good we're good for the cost father And that's not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing you've just told him. Like some people go, what does that mean? In other countries they have their heads cut off. They do. Good for the cost. Your willingness to pay the price. He gives so much more of himself back in return and you realise the small thing that you think you gave up or the small price you paid and the cost that you think was great, when you see what you get in return is an anthill in comparison to the mountains that he returns to you relationally and the mountains of relationship and the way he welcomes you into himself. So, Jesus, we just say, teach us. We say, have your way. We give ourselves, Jesus. We say, we say, have your way. We say, burn in our hearts. We say, burn in our hearts. Burn away everything that is flesh. Burn away the things that we've limited you. Burn away, Father. Burn away. Burn away. Burn away. Burn in our hearts. God, turn up the temperature in our heart that's just passionately in love with you. Passionately in love with you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.